Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We'll get going. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask you to forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and transgressions and shortcomings. And those things that place a veil between you and us. For you, Lord God, you see the end as well as the beginning. So you know the decisions, Lord, that we're going to make, Lord, whenever we make them. You are never surprised by us, Lord. But one thing you have called us to do is to stay on your truth and to live a life of holiness that is pleasing unto you. So I'm asking, Lord, that you give us the nature, that you give us the strength that you give us the spirit, Lord, to be able to walk in your ways to make you pleased. Because knowing the way just isn't enough, Lord. Walking it is what you have called your people to do. So in the name of Jesus right now, we bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, confusion, jealousy, hatred, malice. Lord, every antichrist spirit, every spirit of rejection, every spirit of witchcraft, Lord, all things that come against this ministry, Lord, let them be moved aside. For this is no place or no time, Lord, for us to ignore the attacks that are around us, only that we call them down in the name of Jesus, the name above all names. For you have given authority, Lord, for all your people to walk over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And you said, Lord God, that nothing shall by any means hurt us. So I'm asking that we stay in your truth, and I'm asking that we walk in your ways. And I'm asking that you call us, Lord, to... You give us the grace, Lord, which is necessary to do what is right. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are almighty God, faithful, just, and true, and worthy to be praised. Lord, do this for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called, And God Shall Send Them Strong Delusion. Okay, so this is going to cover a lot of different things that we get into. It's going to be a lot of stuff where um, we're going to really dive into the nature of God and why he would even send someone strong delusion. Because a lot of people think, you know, God wouldn't do such a thing. You know, he's a good God. He is a good God. But how many times does he have to yell and scream and tell us about his ways and who he is and what he expects from us? But then, you know, we can easily go to some lying pastor or some other place that we've learned and say, you know what, this actually pleases my senses, so I'm okay here. And, you know, the Lord is not going to pull you away from your friends, so it eventually will become, okay, since I'm trying to get to you and you don't want me. I'm not saying that he doesn't have the mercy and grace to stay with someone until they come to the truth, but many of us hear the truth, but we still choose to do otherwise because of the fact that we feel that, you know, God will be okay with it. So the Bible does speak about strong delusion being passed on, that people will believe a lie because they don't want the truth. Okay, so even no matter what that truth was, people will not be receptive to it. So it's only those, I believe that those who will receive the truth in God, 
They are the elect. They are the select few. There aren't many people that it can get to. For example, you know, when I first mentioned a lot of things to, you know, people here, and even myself, when I received the truth in certain things, see, now, I'm sure that I said things that were offensive to everyone in here at some point. There was something you heard that it was, mm, you know, I don't know about that. But yet and still, you listened. You researched it yourself. You came back to hear more truth, you know, or, or to find out if it was right. And what did God do? He removed the blinders. You started to have an appetite for the things that were true, you know, versus those things when you first heard them. It was, no, I don't know about that. But it's like once you allow yourself to open up to the truth, it will wash you clean all by itself and, and obeying God. It just changes your nature to where at one point you had trouble understanding, but you will understand. And there are others that will never receive this as true, no matter what you say, because they don't want the truth. They want what they want for themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's what's important about, you know, um, God sending strong delusion. And I really do believe that, you know, there are people you can constantly get on and they will come. But what I'm saying is there is a select group of people that when they hear the truth, there's just something about it inside of you that even when you're not sure, you'll research it, but you'll never just throw it away. You know, it's kind of like, man, I, I don't know, but it's not enough for you to say, Oh, man, that guy's a fake. Did you hear what he said? My mother, grandmother, no one ever dealt with that, so I'm not going to believe that. No, you guys actually, you know, stuck around to hear what was what, and you're researching it yourselves. You know, and if I'm wrong about something, you know, you can tell me that too. Why? Because I want the truth. I don't want to live in a delusion. You know, so the truth is for everybody. It's not just for some of us. All right, so before we get going into the lesson, um, I don't know who's going first. Sarah, Carlin, you guys want to present? You'll go? All right, Carlin first, and then we'll, uh, Sarah will come up, give us a word, and then we'll get right into it. All right, I'll have you guys turn to Hebrews, and I think it's, what is it? I think it's three and four. Hebrews 3 and 4? Yeah. So for every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? Alright, so from that I just took, um, we need to strive to really be like Christ so that we too can be uh, faithful servants and we can be a testimony of his works and uh christ is a son over his own house and whose house that uh we're a part of as well and if we hold true to our faith and confidence in all that is him then we will continue 
to towards our perfection. Mm-hmm. So I'll have you guys just keep going on to Hebrews 6. Is that where I left off? Seven. Oh, seven. Okay. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. So, I feel like this is perfect for our study today. Oh, yeah. I picked that up, too. <laughs> oh, man, I love how this keeps happening. But um, And again, I want anybody, if anybody wants to chime in at any time, like seriously, feel free to say whatever you want. But um, so when we hear his voice, we need to yield to it and and not harden our hearts. Because when um, when he intervenes, we need to be humble and trust in him. Do not harden because it will be like rejection to him. It is a blessing to hear his voice because only children of God do. Trust in him and take the opportunity to give him praise. Trust that he will always have our best interest in mind. Turn away from sin and put your trust in him. Yeah, that's perfect. It's kind of like what we were just talking about. <laughs> so I was just, um, this is just like some independent study that I was doing. And um, I just came up with like, um, sinning is always like a step backwards from your relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. So um, you feel empty even after you commit the sin because we've already tasted the salvation of Christ, you know, so mm-hmm. it'll never feel the same for us. So mm-hmm. and you might as well just turn away from it and trust that, like, if you stay in his blessings and his mercy and his grace, that everything will be fine. Like those those cravings that you have are just from your carnal mind. And with your growth and spirituality, you just need to stay and like trust in him. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Our time here is limited, so we should choose the righteous path and do not disappoint the Almighty. When we stay with Him, we continue to collect everything that He's promised us. So let's stay steadfast until the end so we are accepted into His rest. That's what I had. No, perfect, dude. I mean, again, it keeps on happening. I mean, I just brought this up. I I can promise everybody, Carlin and I do not talk about (laughs) what we're presenting. It just happens. Even when Sarah goes up or Christina goes up, it's like the Holy Ghost just puts stuff together. Someone will come with an introduction. The other person lays it out. And it's just like, man, we do not rehearse this stuff. It's just what it is. Man, that's awesome. Part of the spirit connecting the kingdom of God. That's right. So when you guys are presenting stuff, is it just when you're reading, you come across something, you kind of jot down the ideas, and then yeah, it's like the Holy Spirit will put it on your mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talk about this. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it's like I always carry around my notebook with me, but there'll be something that'll happen throughout the day, and I'm like, hmm, that would be a great study to go into, you know? So. He'll either give me dreams, you know, or, or tell me things, or someone will say something that will trigger it. Or while in my study time, you know, like Sarah said, he'll just he'll speak to you and tell you what he wants you to talk about. It's so cool yeah. that you brought that forward because what I'm going to be talking about is what does it mean to be reprobate? <laughs> oh man! So this is my whole subject. I may as well not even present to okay. So I'm gonna have everyone go to Romans chapter one. And we're going to read verses 18 through 32. But uh, while you guys are turning there, um, Strong Concordance, it's Greek 96. The word is adecomius. The definitions for reprobate mean 
not standing the test, not approved, that which does not prove itself such as it ought or disqualification. Romans is right after Acts, first chapter. Romans what? Romans 1, verses 18 through 32. You stole my thing. What is this? All right. So for the sake of time, I'm just going to start reading. All right, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifested in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their own in their imagination, and their foolish, foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed beasts and creeping things. We're seeing a lot of that in this, in this world today. Uh, it's very evident that all of this is happening. Everything that God's created, uh, corruptible man has found a way to make it that way. So um, it's just we need to be able to see it that way as well, that this is Satan's kingdom, and he's transforming everything that God created into corruptible. Verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor, them, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped, the, and, worshipped and served the creature more than their creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause gave them up to vile affection, for even their women changed the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the women burned in their lust one towards another, men with wind, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving, them, receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which is meet. Um, verses uh, 26 and 27 of here, uh, something that we can correspond to the old to the Old Testament is Genesis chapter 19, when it spoke about Sodom and Gomorrah, how the whole city of Sodom and Gomorrah was um, that which you know they all were put it plainly they were all homosexual. All the men, all the women, they had been vexed for that by that spirit, and so it wasn't just something that spoke against it in the New Testament; it was the Old Testament as well. And it's a very, that is a very powerful spirit that comes into somebody. And it's not just peacefully coexisting with another person. It's, it's hostile takeover. Because if you remember in Sodom and Gomorrah, when the two angels came in, and they, Lot had to go out and ask them to come into his house because he knew it was going to happen. And it wasn't, it seemed like the angels had only been there for a few minutes, and people were knocking at Lot's door saying, you know, give us these men that we may know them. Now that know them did not mean we want to shake their hand and, you know, invite them over for dinner. That is not what we was talking about. They wanted to make the angels the same way that they were. 
and that was corruptible man. And that's why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because the sound, the town was so wicked that even when Lot came out of Sodom and Gomorrah and his two daughters, they were still corrupt by what it by just being in that town. So that's what that's talking about. It's just it's a very hostile spirit. Um, not speaking against people because everyone needs Jesus Christ in their life. That He is the only one that can change you. Verse twenty-eight. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, deceitful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. I don't think we would be... Some people in this world would be just so taken back at how inventors of evil things, how this society has become inventors of evil things. It would just blow some people's mind what they would do. Disobedient to parents, we're seeing a lot of that today, without understanding. Covenant breakers, without natural affection. Implaceable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of, dead, of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So they know the judgment that's coming, and they're still deciding to partake in this sin. But being reprobate is a disqualification. It is a giving over to Satan. You know, I'm not saying that no one can be saved or anyone can't be saved, but there's going to come a time where it's like the Lord has talked to us so many times and our refusal to come to Him. He's going to say, you know, I can't, this person's not going to come to me, so I'm going to give them over to Satan. And I'm not saying who's going to, who that's going to happen to. Our salvation with Christ is an individually based matter, but we have to be careful and not be given over to a reprobate mind. You know? And we see here what it takes. You saw the list of what it takes for that to happen, to become reprobate. And it's not just an overnight thing. You get into one sin, you get into another sin, you get into another sin, and before you know it, you're just you're so far gone. You're just totally um, defiled yourself in Satan's kingdom. Uh, so, okay, so also you guys can write this down. Jeremiah 6, verses 27 through 30, you can read that. And real quick, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 13, 5 through 7, just real quick. Hey, you took another one. Jeez. Got my whole legend lined up. I promise I didn't read the book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, Second uh, Corinthians five through seven. Five through seven. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. But I trust that ye shall know that that we that ye shall know that we are not reprobate. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobate. So, what it is saying here, uh, do not appear approved, do not appear like you're above anybody. Okay, we are still supposed to be humble servants, but we still live, this flesh is dying. And yes, we have to crucify this flesh as well. So, you know, we may appear as everyone else, but we're not, we have to know that we're not reprobate. We have to know that Christ is formed in us and we're willing to go out 
and do his works. And this is something I want to say, and it's very important that we all understand the salvation because it is an individually based matter. And this is vital for every ministry and every group that um, there may be those in, in all churches, you, have, you may have some that are ready to encounter and engage in spiritual warfare. And they're ready to go out and do the works that Christ has called them to do, whether it be a laying on of hands or casting out demons. But then there are going to be some individuals that they stop at a certain level. They don't want to go any further. But the issue with that is that you can't just stop where you are and that's it. You're either going to go forward in Christ or you're going to go back into sin. And you'll end up being worse off than where you started. So it is important that everyone know within themselves, am I growing in Jesus Christ? Am I going forward? Or is there the chance I'm going to go back into the sin that I started out with? And, hey, you know, I've seen, I've, you know, some individuals, you see they were in the church and all of a sudden you look at them and it's just like you don't know who they are anymore because they decided not to continue their walk with the Lord. So I guess what I'm saying tonight is, is that, you know, let's keep going forward. We don't want, the, we don't want to run the risk of going into reprobation. I don't, I don't want to be there. So that's what I have. Right. Yeah, I tell you guys, we do not plan this. <laughs> this happens all by itself. And I mean, that's how you know when the spirit is really working. I mean, Carlin had one of them that I was, um, well, not really presenting, but it was on the same subject. Sarah picked two scriptures that I was going to present and break down tonight. So that just happens. I mean, it's it's nothing that anybody can do about it. I'm glad she went over it so I won't have to, you know, so that's perfect. But if you look at Romans 1, it's true that, you know, how many times nature was mentioned? You know, how many times was the um, uh, natural use of something being mentioned? Which means that, you know, there is a nature. Our nature is our problem as far as receiving truth. The fact that everyone can sit here and, and hear the truth, I'm telling you, it's supernatural. And I'll prove that. Let's go into um, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 1. I mean, this world is going to be in such a delusion pretty soon. I mean, not that it's not already, but, you know, it's going to be, um, man, the truth is just going to be hard to hear. Because I know for a lot of people, they don't really know what's coming. What's going to happen one day they take away Bibles? For those who weren't reading them, there's no way in the world the Word can live in you. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be able to have this Word in you to know what is right and wrong. Because if you ain't reading your Bible, it's not going to always be there for you to read it. Eventually, reading the Bible is going to be outlawed. Where they're going to burn every single one of them, and then we're going to have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. This is why the Lord gives us ample time to have the Word in us. You know, you may not know every single thing in this Bible, but you'll know enough to know what's for real and what's a lie. All right, so Second um, Corinthians 4, verse 1, and it says, Therefore, seeing we have a ministry, this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So what keeps us right and honest, not be dealing in dishonesty or handling the word of God deceitfully, you know, or with craftiness is because you have the fear of the Lord. Now, some people make it seem like that's such a bad thing. Why should you have to fear God who's so loving and, 
you know, wants to hug you and squeeze you and caress you. This is what, you know, people believe. But our God is God. He sits on a throne of pure fire. He means what he says and he says what he means. And, you know, people just take him lightly like he's some type of plush toy that you can play around with. So it says in verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine through unto them. So, I mean, should shine unto them. So we understand here that the only reason that we are able to receive the truth and to be able to just want the truth and learn more is because the light of Jesus Christ is shining through this darkness. Over this earth, it's really weird because I know they tell you a lot of things in science, the way the earth is and this and that. Scientists, not scientists, um, who are these people? Um, witches and people that deal in the occult world, they know around this earth is, is an area called the Akashic Records. Some people refer, refer to it as the ether or like this little plane, this area here where there's um, a satanic realm that goes around this, well, I don't want to say around the world, but it's above us, okay? And many of the psychics and people of the world tap into this power. They know it exists, you know, and this is how they get their spiritual power. Well, if Satan is the god of this world, that which is around this world is satanic. Okay, so our prayers and our, our spiritual warfare has to fight through that realm to get to the third heaven where God is. So this is why when the Lord sent angels or messengers, when you look at Daniel chapter um, 10, when God sent one of the angels to come down and talk to Daniel, Daniel was in fasting and prayer, that he had to break through that veil, through that place. He had to fight with this prince of Persia, which was another angel, for 21 days just to be able to get to us. So we really are in what you would call a prison planet. We really are in a place where the only hope that we have down here in the natural is God. Okay, now I know that's a hard reality. We'll have to have another study on that. But, I mean, reprobate minds, I mean, those people that are blinded from the truth are people that have not had the light of God shine on them. And, I mean, this delusion can be gone in so many different directions. Again, I like to say that Satan himself, he's a ballroom dancer. He, love, he He's a serious ballroom dancer. He can pull you all the way left or all the way right. Which way to him doesn't matter. Why? Because you're off course. So that's one thing you want to stay on the, on the straight and narrow concerning God and his word. Don't make compromises for what it says. Believe God and do as he says to do. Because compromise is the biggest thing. Now, some people will say, I'm doing A, B, C, and D right. But when it comes to E, you know, that kind of interferes with something I'm doing right now. So I don't want to necessarily say this is true. I mean, I might do it, but, you know, God understands I do A, B, C, and D. And to God, that just looks like something broken or torn up, okay? And I'm not saying we'll be perfect right away. I believe over time we will be made perfect. We had that Sunday that Sunday um, study. But the point is, is that you want to walk the straight and narrow out. Let God take away that which he intends for us to lose and for us to gain, which is eternal life or having Christ formed in us. All right. So from here, let's go to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two. Can I just two. make a comment real quick? No. Okay. No. You just can't go. <laughs> it's kind of crazy that you went here because I was just doing a drawing while he was doing his research for his study, 
And it was on 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Mm-hmm. Can I read it real quick? Yeah. Because it was kind of crazy to me. Um, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So that's, you know, growing day by day. Your inner man is a process to grow mm-hmm. with Christ. Um, and kind of like back to what Sarah said, you're either going forward or backwards. And as you're going forward, you kill off the sin. You know, mm-hmm. and then as, but if you stop, then you go backwards mm-hmm. and you perish. So I just thought that was kind of crazy. Yeah, Jesus <laughs> even says that hands that go backwards or something like that, um, that won't keep their hand to the plow, that they're not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. So the Lord is talking about constant working. Mm-hmm. So if you decide that, yeah, you know, I don't think I'm going to be in it, you know, like that, I'll back off for a little bit and then get back. He says you're unworthy. So, you know, something the Lord knows that we don't about heaven. I often say, too, that a lot of people that think they want to go to heaven, if they can't even stand the words here, you don't want to go to heaven because all it's going to be made of is God's word and his truth. You have to have the nature of God to be with God. Mm -hmm. Pigs love mud. Okay, they'll never change that about themselves. That's the way they were made. They're janitors. That's what they do. You can wash a pig, put a you know Alfani Al, Al Armani suit on him. The pig will jump right back in the mud because this is comfortable to him. All right, Second Thessalonians two and verse one. Everybody there. All right, and it says, "Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that we be not so not soon shaken in mind or be troubled." neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin, that man of sin, be revealed, the son of perdition. So clearly here they're talking about the man of sin as the Antichrist. Now I always tell people the Antichrist is not just a man, it's a system and it's a nature. Now, we've got to break through all three of those things. When we, even when we deal with the world, we have to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay, so there's always, it's always like a three-dimensional thing we have to go through. Through the flesh, you know, and the soul, onto the spirit. Mm-hmm. All right, a lot of people, they don't think that you have to do this. They find it one-dimensional. They may hear about Jesus, and they may, you know, um, know some things about Jesus, but are they themselves becoming like Christ. That is the goal, to be like Christ. Okay, so it says that, you know, he's saying, don't be shaken in mind, nor by trouble, nor troubled, neither by spirit, nor word, nor letter, for the day of Christ is at hand. So we're supposed to rejoice in knowing that the Lord is coming back to do away with that which is evil, so that way we can receive that which is good. Now, if we love this world, would you want the world to end? Would you want Jesus Christ to come back? This is why the world gets offended when you try and mention, hey, you know, I'm a Christian or Jesus Christ is, you know, he's king, he's he's Lord. And you find people, yeah, Christian, whatever, because they love the world. When you mention Jesus, it's not like mentioning any other name in this world. You mention Buddha, Buddha's dead and gone. Everyone knows Buddha's not coming back. They try and live the way that, you know, Buddha lived when he was here. Everyone knows Muhammad's not, well, they claim he's coming back. A lot of people are looking for their Messiah. Um, to the Jews, he's called the Messiah, which they didn't believe it was Jesus Christ. Um, to the uh, 
the in Islam, he's known as the Iman Mahdi. They're expecting their, their Christ to come or their man to come. In Buddhism, he's called the fifth Buddha. You know, there's the um, Hinduism. He's known as uh, Hare Krishna. They're waiting for the return of Krishna. And, you know, you got all these religions fighting for this one thing and waiting for their Messiah when the Messiah already came and left. So if they're talking about getting all religions on one accord, because you guys have seen the Pope, he's sitting there in his chair, you know, and he's surrounded by other religions of the world. Now, what do you think they're doing? They're trying to call, I mean, a new world religion or one world religion where everybody believes the same. Everyone's on one accord. So we're going to have peace on earth. There won't be any problems. But think about it. If Christ came and left and he's coming back one day and these guys are waiting for their Messiah to come, which they have already said is not Jesus Christ. Many of the religions will say he's a good man. You know, he's OK, whatever. But, you know, they don't believe that he was the Messiah, that he was the son of God. So they're waiting for their Messiah to come, which is going to be none other than the Antichrist. And I mean, as far as a strong delusion is concerned, this whole world is going to be in this delusion. So what do you think? I mean, imagine all this. Everybody's walking around. They think they finally found peace and love in this world. And here you are talking about Jesus Christ is the way. I mean, you got thousands of people walking by. Oh, homosexuality is wrong. There's only one way but Christ. What do you think they're going to do to you? What do you think they're going to say about you? You know what? This person's disturbing our peace. You know, they need to go. You know, they're annoying me like a little gnat at a barbecue. You know, just coming around while everyone's trying to be in peace. It's going to be a scary time, but we've got to cling to the truth. We've got to believe Jesus Christ. All right. So he says, uh, verse 4, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he... Uh, as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. We've covered this before in previous studies, but I personally believe if they said this son of perdition will come, I believe that they're talking about, you know, of course he opposes God. You know, you learn that in um, education, you know, in education, they don't talk about Jesus. Jesus is nobody to them. Okay. When you talk about, um, all the other things, the scientific realm, the military, you know, all sorts of government. Jesus Christ is the odd man out. No one wants anything to do with him. So we understand here that they said the son of perdition will be revealed. Now that is the Antichrist. But when it says opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, now we're talking about a system. Okay, because it's not just a man. There's a system here. Like we just talked about education, blah, 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 you name it. That is totally against God. So then it says that he will sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. I believe the very last mention of a temple was what Paul said in, um, in uh, I think it was 1 Corinthians chapter 6 or 7, where he said that, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, but it says, we are the temple of the living God. We are body, soul, and spirit. Now, when he says that he'll sit in the temple, I don't believe there might be a third temple resurrected out there in the um, in the uh, Middle East. But I also believe that that temple is you and that Antichrist is going to live in you. So what are we talking about? A nature. So we have a man here. We have a nature here and we have a system here. And we know this because if you go to Revelation 13, it doesn't just say, um, you know, 
that he that receives the mark is damned. It says that he that has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. What would that number be if it was the sixth day? It would be the nature. You know, if he has the name of the beast, that means he's already pledged allegiance to this nature or this system and to the Antichrist himself that will live in you. Okay, so it is a man, but it is a nature and it is a system. And that's what throws a lot of people off, but it's not just the mark. Everyone talks about the mark. It says receive a mark or the number of the beast, or the, I mean the name of the beast, or the number of his name. That's three different things. But everybody, oh, I'm not taking the mark. You know, Satan may tell you, well, you know what? You don't have to, because you're just like me. All right? And I'm not saying that that wouldn't happen, but everybody's worrying about this little mark thing. Man, no, there's a nature. If your nature isn't fixed, you're going to serve the system. If you're serving the system, you're serving the Antichrist. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be extracted from this in order to receive the truth. But if you're in this system in any kind of way and you believe in it and you love this, all you're going to do is receive the mark. If you're not following the right Jesus, you're going to receive the mark. It's that simple. All right? Because the devil runs the church too. Not the church of God, but the church system. Not every church, but well, that's another teaching. But anyway, we'll move on. So I believe that this is going to be, you know, the devil himself inside of you. And you got people already saying today, I am God. All right. People will tell you it doesn't matter what you believe. You got your truth. I have mine. So you're exalting yourself above what? The knowledge of God, the word of God. Humanism. Exactly. And, you know, you can always tell when someone is of the world because all they talk about are the things of this world. Mm -hmm. You know, what's in you will definitely come out of you. So it says, remember ye not that I was, when I was with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then that wicked, if you notice it's capital W there, so they're talking about a man. Then that wicked uh, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So God is holding this thing back, this total delusion, this whole judgment. You know, he's trying to get more into the kingdom. He's trying to get us ready and prepared. But when the presence of, excuse me, when the presence of Satan is strong enough, God's going to back off because he's going to see that the people don't want him. So right now, the Lord just wants all the people that are on the train off. After that, the train can keep on rolling and go off a cliff if it has to. But Lord, the Lord wants the people who want him out of this whole thing. But if you're in this thing, you will accept the mark. You will join in with this. All right. So when he lets, eventually the Lord's going to say, or God's going to say, cease from praying. The Holy Ghost is going to back up. And you're going to see just what the people want. If you want to be filthy, hey, welcome to it. Because you're going into a madhouse. You're going into a crazy zone. You didn't want Christ. You didn't want God's word. So God's just going to step back. Okay, they don't want me. And all God has to do, he doesn't have to judge anybody. Judgment from God can be backing off. Judgment from God can be giving up. Judgment from God can be no longer talking to you. I've talked to you enough about this. You want to debate me? Hey, have at it. And guarantee you, you don't want God to give you what you want. You want the Lord to give you what he wants. 
because when he gives you what you want, you don't know what you want, first of all. Two, you know, it's a curse. If God gives you what you want, you want his favor in your life. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and, and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So you can go out preaching and telling people about Jesus and if they don't want to hear it, hey, that's between them and God. You know, it's not our responsibility to make someone believe it. We are only messengers. We drop off the package. If they don't want it, hey, you know, you can just leave it at the door or make a schedule and it'll come and get picked up. That's the way it is. The mailman never cares about what's in your what's in your um, package. He could care less about anything that, that that package contains. He can care less about if you can pay your bills. Does this help you in some sort of way? He drops off the package and he leaves. And that's all we're required to do. But if we're not doing it, a lot of people, if we're not delivering the truth to people, a lot of people are going to be judged in that way too because, you know, our work is to deliver the truth. If we believe it, why wouldn't we want other people to take part in this? Mm -hmm. So why I named this lesson this, and we're coming up in, in verse 11 here, uh, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So we understand here that this is not the devil sending a delusion. This is God. The Bible says it right here. God is sending strong delusion. Okay, you don't want the truth. You think I'm too rough on you. You think it's not for you. All right, so now you're going to be damned because you have pleasure in unrighteousness. So this is the sort of thing. You want what the Lord wants for you because he knows the beginning from the end. He's all-knowing. He can do all things. So why would you want to trust in yourself or someone else? It's so funny how God, I mean, Jesus Christ, when you listen to his gospel, his wisdom is all through this. I mean, surpasses anything that anyone ever said in history. And then people hear Martin Luther King say something, and, well, man, that was deep. Man, did you hear what Martin Luther King said? You know that everybody will be judged according to the content of their um, of their character and not of their color. And Jesus Christ was screaming this 2,000 years ago. And I'm not trying to say anything negative about Martin Luther King. The point I'm making is I'm not black, I'm not white, I'm not yellow, purple, or green. I'm not Democrat or Republican, okay? I could care less about being a U.S. citizen or a citizen of someplace else. My allegiance is to Jesus Christ right. because when you put your trust in man, it'll lead you to error. Black people's story is only one part of the story. You don't think other people have a story? You don't think Einstein might have said some great things that people thought were great? But compared to Jesus Christ, it's got absolutely nothing. But humanism will make you worship men and not God. And, you, and they'll make it like it's the exact same thing. Like I'm hearing this, but okay, this got some truth. But this is equivalent to the Bible. You choose to follow Jesus. I choose to follow Einstein. And no, I mean, it's not even close to being the same. So worshiping in man and following the things of man outside of what God calls for, it'll bring you into a delusion because you think that you'll know so much. If you deal with people in colleges and stuff and, you know, these graduates and these philosophers of the world, you bring them the truth in Christ, 
they look at it like, man, well, that's your opinion. But see, I know through my mind and my ways and what I understand to be my enlightenment, you know, here's my truth. So this stuff will blind you from the truth. The fact that God even got through to us, man, is, I mean, a miracle. I mean, think about it. You could have been a Jehovah's Witness. You could have been in anything in this world. I mean, no matter what it is, you could have been a Muslim. You could have been born here or born there. But the Lord made sure that the truth got through to you and you received it. I mean, 7.4 billion people in the world and you've got maybe a handful of people that understand the truth. Man, we are blessed. I mean, that's the truth. Because when this thing tips off, so many people are not going to know what's, come, what's upon them, what's really happening. They're going to come to you for answers and you're going to know why you know the word of God. Because all a person can do, and I've seen this done where you got people that will go against the government and stuff like that. And, you know, they know that there's something wrong with the world and they want to fight for equal rights. The funny thing is you're fighting an enemy that you that you are part of his system. So how do you really conquer him? But only in Christ, because he's detached from this and he wants you to be detached, that you know how to go against this thing. Because there was one guy telling me um, the other day, I was down at the hotel, and he said that, um, he said, well, I believe, um, what did he say? I believe there's something really wrong with this world and everything and the politics and all that. And I said, yeah, absolutely true. He said, but I believe if we get the right person in office, you know, that that's going to change things. And I'm like, man, <laughs> getting people in office is the problem to begin with. You know, Jesus is the only Savior that any of us could ever have. Mm -hmm. Anybody want to add anything they can? If not, let's go to... Uh, I just want to add that yeah. um, the Lord is supposed to be fighting our battles. We're supposed to, as Christians, be giving um, Him that power to do that for us. And this is why a lot of Satan's man, men will try to fight and won't be happy in heaven because that's what they'll have, what they'll do to try to resolve problems there too is fight physically versus use the Lord to fight for them. No, totally. The Lord does fight for us, but one thing we are too is the Lord's battle axe. Well, yeah. The Bible does tell us that. I mean, I get what you're yeah. saying too, totally. But we do it but through him, you know, not out of our flesh. It's through Christ, absolutely. Yeah. But one of the problems that we experience too with churches, and this is a huge delusion, is that we are supposed to do nothing but uplift Jesus and stay out of the thing altogether where the Lord wants you. Yeah, uplift my name for sure, you know, but I want you in this thing. But, you know, that being around that fire just seems to get people nervous. I got tested the other night. Um, I was out with a friend last night, you know, um, working for him and everything. And there was a woman that walked by with a Halloween costume and she had on, um, it said... Uh, Jesus lied with an upside down cross on it. It didn't say Jesus died. It said Jesus lied. And I was like, oh man, like I'm getting, you know, I could just see something stir up in me. So I'm just sitting there waiting, waiting. So she was on the phone and everything. And I'm like, all right, I'll go back in. And I came back out. She's still on the phone. I'm like, okay. So towards the end of the night, she was leaving. And I said, excuse me, can I talk to you for a second? And she was like, yeah. I said, I want to make one thing clear. The biggest lie is whoever made what you were wearing. Jesus died. He didn't lie. And he's coming back. And she was like, oh, thank you, you know, and walked out. But I'm like, the thing is, is that people can be so bold with this stuff. Like they've really learned something. And a lot of people are believing this. But maybe he put me there for that situation to be able to tell them something 
But we should never be afraid to tell the truth in Christ because if he's got us, he's got nobody. If he can't rely on the church to do his will, then who's going to do the work? So this delusion has put this whole world in, what's the word I want to use? When a person, like stagnant, you know, being stagnant, mm -hmm. just asleep in a delusion. If you tell the church people that we are supposed to go out and proclaim the gospel, and you tell them that we should be at war with the devil and his forces, now I don't mean us going and grabbing weapons and going out there and meeting them. We only got one weapon we need. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is we are supposed to engage the enemy. We are supposed to cast out devils, you know, do different things in the Lord. But the church will tell you, get out of my church. They don't want to be a part of that. No, brother, you've got it wrong. We're supposed to show love to everyone. All right? You don't know. Who can you judge? Why are you judging people? It's not your place to say. So if it's not our place to say as Christians, whose place is it to say? So we've got to be involved in this thing because one of the biggest delusions is sitting back, relaxing, and doing absolutely nothing, thinking that Jesus is fighting this war all by himself. Oh, no. He meant for us to be in this fight. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter um, 2. And it's good practice for now. Like I said, if I were to lose my job over speaking whatever, okay. You know, I've already lost a job because of that. You know, grateful to God, he's given me another. But it's good practice. You know, I mean, it's, it's really good practice that you speak the truth. Okay, I've gone without... For a whole month, I was without work. I mean, I had one other job, but the point is, is that the Lord took care of me. Now I'm working again. Everything's cool. I'm happy. But I never doubted him because if he's going to, if you defend him, why wouldn't he stand up for you? But some people, oh man, I don't want to get in trouble in this. So that means go and accept the mark then. Because really what you're saying is, I found a situation greater than God. And I'm not saying go and rant and rave. I'm saying if a situation presents itself, stand on the truth in Jesus Christ. But it just, it also reverts back to the children when they didn't want to go into the promised land. They found something greater than God. When he had delivered them out of Egypt, he had parted the Red Sea for them. And now mm -hmm. they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And simply because, yeah, there were giants in there. But if, if God could deliver them out of the hands of Pharaoh who they had been in captivity for, mm -hmm. under for 400 years, why then couldn't he deliver them from these giants? Because that was the carnal mind. Right. Those were the unbelieving masses. And you see what God did? He separated the believer from the unbeliever. You guys can learn a lot. I mean, reading Exodus through, uh, what is it, uh, Numbers, Numbers yeah. Deuteronomy, because that was the whole walk of the Israelites. They were enslaved. You know, the Lord freed them from Pharaoh. I mean, Pharaoh would have been like... Worse than anything you got today. I mean, Pharaoh was, hey, you disobey me, I cut your head off. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. But in that time, the Lord brought Moses. Moses didn't preach to them in in Egypt. I mean, he, he told them about the truth and brought them out, but he didn't keep them there. He brought them into the wilderness where they were working out their situations, and then they eventually went into the promised land that God gave them. But everybody didn't go. That Jordan River separated those from who believe and who don't believe. Another big delusion is when you believe, well, I was baptized, Jesus did it all, that's it. No, you need a filling of the Holy Ghost to move on to the next level. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people are happy in the world. They're, they're happy crossing the Red Sea. All right, I'm not in Egypt, but I'm not in the promised land either. But I believe God is going to come back for me and get me. Stay there if you believe that that's the truth. 
Because God, the land that God promised, the inheritance that he promised us, is that we would be sons of God. And when you're not a son of God until you're a manifested son of God, when you're actually doing the works of Jesus, being like Christ. Mm -hmm. And that can happen, you know. But he intends for everyone to be of the Spirit. That's why Jesus said you're not just born of the flesh, but you're born of the Spirit. All right, um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And in all things, I mean, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach unto others. So he's saying the same things you heard about Jesus, that, you know, you will commit thou to faithful men who be able to hear, who be able for you to teach. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. So what is the Lord calling for us to do? He's calling for us to step outside of this. He's calling for us to endure hardness, because he knows that hard times are going to come to every single believer. All it takes is for the Lord to bring you out of a few situations that you've been in that you knew you've had no control over. And man, it changes your faith overnight. When you recognize, man, the Lord took me through this. All right, so I'm going to battle again. Look at what happened to David. Before he even engaged Goliath, he fought a lion and a bear and slew them both. So that's why his resume was different than the men that were around him. The men that were around, what were they like? They, they all had their army gear on, but they were just sitting there yapping while Goliath was going back and forth, cursing God for 40 days and walking off. And they sat there trembling. David comes on the scene. <laughs> Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And God stood up with him and delivered that Philistine into his hands. Why? David, what, David was an able man of God that was willing to get in the fight and do the things of God. So we can't afford to be stagnant because the Lord is just looking for us that will stand up for him and do his will. Now, is this a process? Absolutely. You want to be grown in Christ? You want Christ formed in you? Of course, you're not going out there on your own. The Lord is building you up to do so. But what makes us think the time to preach to others and talk to others will be when things tip off? Because I'll tell you what, it's going to be harder then than it will be now. Mm -hmm. And if you're afraid to speak to one person about Jesus now... What do you think it's going to be like when the whole world is saying Christians are outlawed? And if we hear one more thing about them, you know, we're going to have a problem. So, I mean, this is good practice. And I know y'all might think I'm crazy. because, like, man, don't you understand? I got to eat. Yeah, I got to eat, too. But I'm telling you who drops manna from heaven, who's supplying everything that we need. And it is not your job. It's the grace of God that we have what we have. Exactly. Okay. So he says, endure hardness as a good soldier. Let's go to Judges uh, 3 and verse 1. You know, you're like, man, why is this guy so fired up? We get it, man. But I'm like, every now and then we need a wake-up call. And I'm so glad that I lost my job a month ago. Mm -hmm. I am grateful to the Lord that that happened. Why? He was only trying to wake me up because I became comfortable in where I was. So the Lord will take you. And you know what? We got to shake things up a bit because I can tell if I don't do that, 
you'll never leave where you are. You'll stay right where you are and get comfortable. Exactly. So I'm grateful to him that I had a job to lose, even though he's given me another one. The point is, is that, you know. Well, he's, a, he's, he's a supplier and the provider of our every need. And if we trust in him, not only when things are going good for us, but if we double the trust when things are, doesn't seem like it is going our way, then it's like he's going to carry us through. Why wouldn't he? But mm-hmm. we got to have the faith and the belief that he's going to, He's going to carry us across. That's the thing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm the same position you are. Exactly. And the Lord himself, you know, if you think about why he didn't bring the Israelites. Now, of course, God had the power to apart the Red Sea. They go across that he would stand there and slay all the giants and then get them into the promised land. But you notice with Egypt, he freed them. He did that for them. But when they went into the promised land, he did that through them. Mm-hmm. OK, it took their effort to be in it to get across. And he's going to explain why he did that and had them wandering, you know, because there was something that needed to be learned in that whole battle. All right, so Judges 3 and 1. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them. So the Lord even left their adversaries there to prove himself through them. I mean, think about this. The Lord has people in this world that are unbelievers that are against Christ only so you can prove yourself and your faith to Jesus Christ. It, these are tests, you know, so it says, um, all right, through them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan. So Israel never even knew what those wars were like. They came out of Israel. Look what he says in verse two, only that the generation of the children of Israel might know to teach them to war at the least such as before knowing nothing thereof. So what is the Lord looking for? He's looking for a couple of hard people. I don't mean hard and hard. I'm talking about people that would be willing, Lord, you lead the way. We're going on a mission impossible, and we're believing you every step of the way. So he's calling for them to be hard. So why did he bring them in? Look at verse 2. To teach these people how to war. And the Lord wants the exact same thing for us. He doesn't want us being passive towards the devil. He wants us to love man and appreciate man, you know, and and teach man the truth. But when it comes to Satan and his forces, he wants us to come to go to war with them. And I don't mean physical war, hand-to-hand combat, but you can call it a type of combat when you learn how to lay hands on the sick and they recover. When you learn how to cast out demons, you break down strongholds. You destroy his kingdom. You also give a display of the kingdom of God against the kingdom of Satan. Mm -hmm. You know, you're also seeing that man, like, he's got no power over God. But that's what the world needs to see. And this is why they tell you there's no such thing as demons. Spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And and why is it talk about in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're supposed to take on the full armor of God if we're not in the spiritual warfare? We're not using it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You wear the armor to lay up on the beach. I mean, that's just... No reason. Yeah. I mean, so it's just something that we have to get out of this place of complacency and not wanting to engage because the Lord is looking for willing vessels. Mm-hmm. You know, the church should not be a joke. The church should be something where we are, you know, hey, don't mean, the devil, we should be looking for him, not him looking for us. We should be, you know, the the dragon slayers, you know, instead of Buffy the vampire slayer. You know, we should be Christians out there going after what what it is that's got our people bound. Because many of us want to bring our family members to Christ, but then many of us are afraid to talk to them about Christ. So my question is, what do you want God to do? 
If he gave the power to you, if he put the staff in your hand and gave you the authority, then go after that which is, you know, unrighteous. Mm -hmm. Break the stronghold. He gave the authority to you. But a lot of people, no, I just want them to come. I don't want to offend. I'll just go and pray for them tonight. And I'm not against prayer. But sometimes there needs to be open confrontation. The, our God, I don't know if you guys figured this out, but when you read the Gospels, Jesus Christ was not a non-confrontational person. Jesus said it would need to be said, and it was in front of thousands. And he didn't care what you thought about it. If he was speaking the truth, he spoke the truth. But you never saw when someone, oh, Jesus, what did you mean? Did you mean that this would happen? Oh, no, I didn't. I'm just saying that we all need to come together. Jesus spoke it. He looked them right to the eye and said what needed to be said. And we need to be the same way because everybody's not going to like you. But one thing we have to know is he's standing with you. This is the job that he has given us to do. You know, we can't be afraid to lose things. That's ridiculous. And we laughed about it the other day. It was kind of funny because I, I said that Sarah and I had the biggest mouths in here talking about, you know, well, if someone takes this away, the devil takes this away, you know, well, we'll be fine and this and that. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, we'll see. You know, but that's what will happen. You go yapping your mouth about what you know. All right, I'm going to put you to the test to find out if you really love me. Because we could get real emotional and start believing things that are just not true. Mm -hmm. You know, we could just sit there and be, you know, Lord, you are the only one with tears in your eyes. Jesus said, okay, we'll see. <laughs> you know, because you're going to end up in an arena where you're going to have to prove yourself. Mm -hmm. This ain't just a talk show. And you guys are like, yeah, right, listen to you. All right, let's go to... Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3. All the way back to Timothy. One of the biggest delusions is if you join a church, you'll make it into the kingdom of heaven. Totally, yeah. Everyone wants a quick fix. Yeah. And what I'm talking about, you know, the people that are new in Christ, this has to be grown in you. So I'm not saying jump out there if you weren't sent. Make sure that you're sent. But there's nothing wrong with correcting what is wrong. Because when I saw that girl's costume and she had that on there, Jesus Live with the backwards um, cross, I felt offended because I'm like, you're talking about my God. You're talking about my Father, my Lord and Savior. So it was personal to me. If someone were to say something about your family members, how would you respond? You know, like, hey, you don't know my mom, you don't know this, hey, you need to watch your mouth. Well, that's how we need to talk to people that are talking against your God. Because if he's your father and you're a real child of his, then what happens to him happens to you. If you offend him, you offend me. You think you can talk about the father and the son not care? You think you can talk negative about the Holy Ghost and the son and father and just sit there? No, if you offend one, you offend all three. So if you're of Christ, and I'm not saying be offended like anger, but to let people know, hey, Jesus Christ is real. He said, if you be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. You know, those who don't speak up for Christ, you know, he's saying, hey, I won't speak to my father about you. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, 
incontinent, meaning uncontrollable, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now anybody that don't believe that the Spirit of God will do works through them, those are those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. This Bible doesn't come alive to you, uh, one, unless you believe it, and two, the things of this Bible um, pertain to you. Okay, you want the works of God to work through you too. That makes it all the more real. Because at one point, yeah, I remember standing up for the word and talking about casting out demons are real. And when people would say, okay, well, what's your evidence? Hey, I've seen a video. I can send it to you. But if I'm a Christian, that should flow through me. Now, we don't manifest the gifts to put them on display for people. But the point is, is that we do the will of God. We do the works of God. What our response should be, if someone says, why do you believe? Well, of course, Jesus Christ said it. Well, we believe this is a word of God, but it happened to me. Okay? I was a part of this. I've seen it. I've done it. So that makes you a living witness to that which it was that happened. Now, I'm... Huh? Testimony. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we worship the gifts. That, that's irrelevant. The point is, is that how do we war a good warfare if we're unarmed? Mm -hmm. He says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power. That word for power is dunamis. That's miracle work in power. Okay, Paul says, I came with, with not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of the spirit and of power. So this is telling us that there's a, there's a walk that eventually we should have the faith to do these things. And you don't know if you have the faith to unless you know, unless you really believe. You want to you know how to cast out devils? Go and cast one out. You want to heal the sick and you want to believe in the power of God? Put your hands on the sick and they recover. But believe God when you do it and always in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Not in yourself, because I'm no healer. Verse 6. For of this sort are they which lead, for they, for of this sort are they which lead into houses and lead captive, which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away by diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why I believe the term silly women is here, and I'm not picking on women. But I believe women tend to go more with their emotions than men, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and, and I think part of it is what Eve did or what happened to Eve in the Garden of Eden, I think that it had more effects to women than they really realized. For example, Adam wasn't deceived. Eve was. Now, I'm not saying that women are gullible, but I think in some cases they tend to be a little more gullible than men. Because they lead with their senses and their emotions. Now, I'm not speaking like, you know, hey, I, I have a strong mom. I have strong sisters and all of that. But I remember times we would have guests over the house and things and or someone selling something at the door. And my mom would be, oh, you know, he seems like a nice guy. My dad's like, close the door. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, oh, man, this guy's, a, you know, he's playing games or whatever. So he's saying to lead them away, you know, with diverse lust. Uh, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? Anybody know? The Word of God. The Word of God, but there's a great mystery to godliness. I think we've gone over it quite a few times. Having the Holy Spirit in your life. Real close. 
But I mean, yeah, having the Holy Ghost. But, but having Christ formed in us. Christ formed in us. So you ever learned, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? Jesus Christ formed in me. That's important because you don't do the miracles he does. You have to grow Christ. You have to be like Mary. You know, you got to birth the baby. You got to do this. You got to nurture him, feed him every day. Give him some of the word until you, you know, I wouldn't say give birth, but Christ is formed in you. So this is a work. It's like, you know, watering plants or giving them sunlight. Well, it's like in many scripture here, it says, I travail in you as in birth pains. Until Christ be formed in you. That's exactly right. So, I mean, what we're looking at here is you can always learn. Yep, I believe this is, you know, right there. But you never come to the knowledge of the truth, this being done in me. Because I tell you what got me on the path to wanting this and still pursuing it is because when I read these stories, man, they're awesome stories, but... How come my life doesn't resemble this? How come they're able to do what Jesus says that anyone that believes can do this? So what's lacking in my life? What am I missing? And that's what made me start seeking, Lord, you know, and I'm so different than this Bible. Make me like this. You know, if you've promised these, if you've made these promises, then let them manifest through me as a witness. So you've got to believe God in this for him to do these things. And that's the strong delusion where, you know, you're always learning, but never coming to the truth of Christ being formed in me. Verse 8, now as Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. So you can say everything I'm saying right now. As Jannes and Jambres, they were the two magicians that were in the court. You know, Moses took his staff, threw it down. It, it you know, was a snake. Jannies and Jambres threw their down, theirs down, snakes came too, all right? But Moses' snake ate their snakes. Then they came up with one thing, and Moses matched them, you know, shot for shot. When they turned the dust into lice, you know, and the um, Jannies and Jambres, Jambres tried it, and it couldn't happen, they were like, man, you better listen to him. This is from the finger of God. So he had to put them on display. I mean, Jannies and Jambres were bad, man. I mean, they could do some stuff. It wasn't like now, I mean, think about those two those two men in the Christian church today. They're performing miracles, and you got the church sitting there talking about, praise the Lord. You know, I mean, the thing is, is you're supposed to have this in you too. You know what I'm saying? But if, they, if this thing is turning supernatural, and these people are manifesting power, and all we can say is, you know, I hope and pray in the Lord, and this and that. No, God meant... You, you look at the book of Acts when those um, magicians, Simon the sorcerer and those others, went against the disciples. Paul even tells a story, man, I had to leave one of these guys blind because, you know, they were out of control or whatever. But he had to teach them a lesson. Paul smitten that man with blindness. Now, this was a magician that held the whole town afraid. But Paul is here, you know, through the power of God, got this guy feeling around in the dark for a while. This, is order, this ought to tell you the manifested power of God. So these people are reprobate concerning the faith. You go into churches, you talk about the power of God, man, the gifts are done away with. They'll tell you that. No, there's no such thing as the spiritual gifts. Forget that. You know, that died when Jesus left and the apostles left. Yet you can't find one place in this Bible where that is the case. These signs shall follow them that believe. So he says they'll be reprobate concerning the faith. The same way the Lord stood up against them, he's going to stand against all those that don't believe his word, that defy Jesus Christ. 
but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be made shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. So you don't want to be put on that that place of not believing God. Jesus said, if you fall on me, you'll be broken. If I fall on you, I'll grind you to powder. You don't believe me? Look that up in the Bible. But that's what he says. So what we want to do is walk in the truth and believe God. You don't want to be half filled. You want to be filled all the way. Now, who gives this gifts? Who gives the gifts? The Holy Ghost. But we have to yield to the Lord. This thing has to be serious to us because it's going to get serious for us whether we're ready or not. We can't just believe, well, I just read and, you know, I'm okay and this and that. No. Call after the things that the Lord wants you to have, like um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, seek spiritual gifts. Want those things in your life, not for you, but to manifest the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's one point. Um, since we're here, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And guys, I know y'all have questions um, as far as like the holidays and things are concerned. I believe that that is a strong delusion because like we taught about, you know, people can be offering strange fire and they think that God is accepting it. God will never accept that which he did not um, call out from heaven. That's why all types of music are not accepted. Only those that really worship and praise the Lord. But we cannot offer strange fire. We did a full study on that. I know people will say, well, that was back then. It's a little different. When he talked about let no one judge you of holy days, the holy days were the seven feast days that, um, that the Israelites uh, celebrated. They weren't talking about Christmas or Easter or any of those things. And if we know the history of them just by reading the Bible, what makes you think God's okay with that? You know, but they, this, again, is that strong delusion that we believe. No, I believe if you say it in the name of Jesus, it'll be fine. Hey, you know what? Jeremiah warned the people about these holidays. He said, hey, it's an abomination. It angers the Lord. Paul added in 1 Corinthians chapter um, uh, 10, verse 19 through 22, you can't drink from the cup of devils in the cup of, um, of God. He says, you, um, all that the, um, the sacrifices that the Gentiles make, which are those people that were not of God, they sacrifice to devils. He makes that clear. It's not to God. All right? So if it, was, if it was a birthday party made for Tammuz or Nimrod, you can't give it to Christ because he didn't ask you to give him that. You know, he's only asking you to give him the things that are for him, that are of him. That's like trying to offer him. You see what um, happened in... Uh, Leviticus 10. They offered strange fire. They were struck down. Why? Because God already told them what is right. They took him for a joke and gave him what they wanted to. Hey, I'm not that bold. I'm just saying for people that are doing it, hey, pray and seek the Lord. I'm not going to throw my will on anybody, but I'm telling you, it's not of God. And even witches of the world will tell you that. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, you guys have any other questions concerning that? Or? Not yet. Not yet? All right. I mean, like the holidays and stuff y'all were talking about. Well, there's lots, but like we're going to research it a little bit and then we'll come back to you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, there's so, lots. So, man, he sounds angry tonight. <laughs> I'm not even going <laughs> to. No. No, no, like specific burning question right now. Right now, we're just looking at everything as a whole. 
Right. What's Which in, verse is that in uh, Jeremiah? Is it Jeremiah 10 for the... For Christmas. Christmas. And then there was Jeremiah 7 and 44. Jeremiah 7 and Jeremiah 44 for Easter. And it'll tell you those things anger the Lord big time. Christmas is the winter solstice, so it's pagan. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and even the, the, the witches know what this thing is. They, I mean, you would never believe what they did last night. Oh, While everybody was walking, you know, go ahead, tell them. <laughs> it depends on what system you're a part of. I mean, mm -hmm. you sacrificing Sacrifice. animals, you could be sacrificing babies, you could just be having a pentagram on the wall or something, you know? It's true. Some, you could just be dressing up as for Halloween. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think really. I sent it to Martin. I think I sent it to Carlin, too, over in Damascus. You know, they got this temple of um, Anubis, and these people are, are taking it real serious as far as sacrifices and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. So, you know, on the, I, I can only imagine what they were doing over there last night, all right, because Halloween is the most wicked, satanic day that they have, okay? And, I mean, the sacrifices and things that they do, you guys wouldn't even believe that stuff went on. So while we're sitting there partying in our innocence, we're also praising what they're doing, whether we know it or not. You going to say something? Well, they, like what's called Samhain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Samhain, Samhain, something like that. But all of these holidays have ancient names, you know, and uh, Christmas is called Saturnalia or um, Yule, you know, for like Tammuz. Um, well, isn't like it Saturn cults. Mm -hmm. also in Halloween that they actually burned Christians and not the witches, and then they had the bobbing for apple. Apples was originally hot oil. Mm -hmm. You had to bob for, the Christians had to bob for yeah. tons of hot oil. Yeah, people didn't tell you that. Uh, did you guys catch that part yet? You've seen. Yeah. You watched that part. Yeah, they would have to bob for apples and hot oil. That was that was bobbing for apples for Christians. They'd knock on the door, you come out, hey, I want you, you know, you got to do this or we'll kill you. So imagine in hot oil, man, you come back with half a face probably miss the apple, and then have to try it again just to survive. And um, John Todd said, because a lot of people try and use this point too, about the old Christian church being real um, evil and killing people. That was the Catholic church that was, that was doing that stuff. But the point is, is that um, they said during the Salem witch trials that remember the Christians were killing these witches or all, all that stuff. That's a lie. John Todd uh, went to the Boston or Mass uh, Museum in Massachusetts and found the true um, um, information that it was the witches killing the Christians. The, the Christians weren't killing anybody. The witches were killing them and then saying that the Christians were doing it. Lying about it. Yep. Ooh, sounds like the devil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, mine own son, in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, and Jesus Christ our Lord, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So what does doctrine have to be? Sound. Mm -hmm. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. You want to know another strong delusion? We went over this before, but uh, the guy redeemed who comes and knocks on the door, 
He's um, a part of this group called the Hebrew Roots Movement, where um, they believe like they're black Israelites, and they believe that the Israelites were black, and they bring up some history, and they got all this stuff. They believe Jesus Christ was black, and, um, you know, they got a lot of information and stuff like that. I looked some of their stuff up. Honestly, um, they got, yeah, there's a lot of history they have on things, but... It's not the gospel. Okay, and this is what I mean by Satan being an excellent ballroom dancer. Why? Because he'll take a situation, he might throw some truth out there. Some truth. Now, I'm not saying it's true, because whether Jesus is green, purple, or yellow doesn't matter to me. If he can save my soul, that's all I'm concerned about. But these guys go into genealogies. They claim that they can link every bloodline, who's who in the world. And the whole thing is about, you know, black people making their way to the truth and being established again by what God wants for us. You guys think I'm kidding? Look it up. But he believes this, and this is one reason why he and I parted ways, because he believes that this is all it's about. And I'm like this. Look, I don't care what your color is. I'm, I'm going to fellowship with those who believe in Christ. But he believes that they're supposed to stick together and work on one another first and then go out and preach. So I asked him to find it anywhere in this Bible. So a lot of people are into fables and endless genealogies and, and all this garbage that have nothing to do with the gospel itself. So don't get caught up. As a Christian, you are odorless, colorless, and tasteless, like water. You bring life, okay? And that's all that matters. And what is that? The life of Christ inside of you. Forget all that other stuff. But this guy, man, he could take it way back. And if you, you know, add this with this... And he had the nerve to come to me and say, don't you know the Sumerian woman that Jesus uh, ministered to? I believe she was black and she was an Israelite. I'm like, bro, I don't know and I don't care. All right? But if that's what if you're basing... Or not black, white, or... Exactly. <laughs> so knowing this, Phineas is perfectly right with this. Knowing this is going to save your black soul. Right. So your soul is black. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It creates more separation between Christians, which is we already have... 32,000 denominations. Yeah. It's like ridiculous. There you have one it. gospel, but we have 30,000 different. It's true. And that's a strong delusion for them. You try and convince them of anything else, man, they'll go off on you. No, don't talk to me. The white man is the devil and blah, 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 and this and that. And I'm like, man, you need to be born again. That's what I told him. And he got, he was upset, but I'm like, hey, you need to be born again. You need the nature of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. call for you. <laughs> exactly. Well, the biggest the biggest, biggest issue of the whole thing is that they don't believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. That That's the Holy another Spirit thing. Yeah. Came upon her. They believe that Joseph and Mary got together in the culture and Jesus was born. And the gospel never says that. It no. says totally the opposite that mm -hmm. they did not know one another until after Christ was brought forward because mm -hmm. he had to be brought forward clean, That's not right. through sin. Exactly. Hmm. So, you know, we got to go. That's why he's telling you, don't pay attention to that garbage because that'll lead you everywhere. So he says, um, godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned um, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling. So imagine calling yourself that. So here's, here's your vanity. Jumping in the way of what God says. Oh, I'm an Israelite. I'm somebody big. You know, so that jumps in the way. You swerved from the faith. I thought it was about Jesus, but now it's about you and your people. 
So, you know, that's the thing that we need to stay away from. Uh, verse 7, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding uh, neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Man, you got to hear these guys speak. I mean, they tell themselves that they're not under the law. They do the whole law entirely. The Bible tells you that if you do one part of the law, that you are in debt to do the whole law. So you're supposed to accept Jesus Christ. And when I mean law, I'm talking about Levitical law where, you know, they were sacrificing bullocks and doing all of this, keeping the Sabbath, doing all these different things. So, you know, he's saying if you do one law, you're in debt to do the whole law. Why not just accept the grace, accept the, the faith, believe in Jesus Christ, let the Holy Ghost come in you, wash you clean, and you'll be like Christ. And your mission is complete. So all this other stuff is just, you know, trying to be what they're not. Verse 8. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, uh, uh, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. So what we see here is he's saying the law wasn't made for a righteous man. The reason they had to keep the Sabbath was because he was teaching them how to, when you're outside of Egypt, you know, well, give the Lord the seventh day. If you're a Christian that's uplifting the Lord every day, what difference does one day make? So this is what it means by having being led by the Spirit of God, because you, I worship Jesus every day. So imagine being held to that little 24-hour period. And if the Lord wants you to go somewhere, you can't go. Because, <laughs> I mean, on the Sabbath, you're supposed to be in your house resting, you and the Lord doing nothing. So, you know, we're not bound by the law because we follow the law of the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. So it's for the unrighteous. It was never made for a man of God. If you're not doing these things, the law doesn't apply to you. Okay, and this is why we're giving grace. For whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, and perjured per for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, Okay, so your doctrine needs to be sound. If you don't believe the right doctrine, look at where it places you in the list of murderers, profane persons, this one's, that one's. So you have to be right with your, with your doctrine. I'm not trying to kill anybody's fun on the holidays. I'm not trying to, you know, um, make Christians afraid that they have to go out and preach. These are the commandments of Jesus Christ. This is what he called for us to do. You know, and we're just going to have to accept either I believe the word of God or I don't believe it. But people will put their own spin on it. And you can't tell me that a college educated seminary graduate pastor doesn't know the origin of these holidays. I doubt that extremely highly. OK, because they go over all that stuff in seminary. So you know that they know what it is. The plan is make more moolah. All right. Um, anybody want to add anything? If not, let's go to Titus 1. What time is it? I don't want to go overboard again. It's almost 10 after oh. 9. Okay. All right. Thanks. Yeah, last time I think we looked at uh, uh, was it Isaiah 53 for what Jesus really looks like. Or oh, yeah. Like or yeah. Or, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't descriptive. It was more like like you would be like, oh, there he is. <laughs> you know? Oh, no, exactly. Like, how you doing? <laughs> mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, that was the real Jesus Christ. I mean, he was not attractive. The Bible tells you that. 
People get mad at you for that. That's a delusion. Like Jesus actually sat back for a photo. You know, like he was, you know, and they just took it and through all time, it just passed on. No one knows what Jesus looks like. Do you know that even in Switzerland, just to show you that the look is not important, over here they celebrate, you know, that picture of Jesus. It's everywhere. Do you know in places like Switzerland and other countries, they actually have a black Jesus? The guys look that up, but I'm, this is what I'm saying. You even got some um, Asian people that believe that Jesus was Asian. I mean, so you can't go according to looks. Everybody has their own looks and what they think. But the point is, is can he save my soul? <laughs> Am I like Christ? That's all we have to be concerned with. If we're not supposed to be concerned about our fleshly body, then why would we be concerned about what Jesus looks like? Exactly. Mm -hmm. That is exactly right. And there's a scripture that actually supports that saying that, no man would know Jesus after the flesh. So what difference does it make? He's not going to look like that now, whatever he looked like. He said he didn't rely on his attributes, but just the word. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. But no, you know, they got to be this and they have to be that. I don't mess around with it. You know, it's like if you guys want that, knock yourselves out. I'm clinging to the spirit. Jesus said the two great commandments is to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, your mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know what he told me when I said the neighbor thing? Oh, well, he was talking about neighbors like as an Israelite, you know, like the, you know, black people, brother. That's what he's talking about. Okay, so your neighbor, neighbor means black. If I were to look this up in the Bible. Let me get my concordance out. Exactly. You know, it's so crazy, man. But the devil can drive you mad if you don't yield to this word. All right, uh, Titus 1 and 1. Everybody there? Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Look at that. God our Savior. That's another study. Uh, verse 4. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, uh, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and, from the, and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. Now notice, Jesus is called the Savior twice. Mm -hmm. It says God our Savior in three, God our Savior in four. Those who don't want to believe Jesus is God, they can believe what they want, but even the Council of Nicaea and other people had confirmed that believed this, that Jesus himself was deity. He wasn't the Father, but he himself was God. But people want to deny that. You can show them scripture upon scripture. Verse 5, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, um, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife having faithful children, not accused of riot or, or, or unruly. So again, husband of one wife, another strong delusion. Anybody can be a pastor. You know, they believe that if they want. We've done a teaching on that. They can believe what they want. But either way, you're offering strange fire if you're not giving God what he's called for. Verse 7, for a bishop must be blameless uh, as a steward of God. Not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, nor striker, not given a filthy lucre. So you're not greedy for money, you're not an alcoholic, and you're not self-willed. Okay, those are the requirements. 
but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast to faith, the faithfulness, the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers, like the unbelievers, those that speak against the word of God. So he's saying that your doctrine has to be sound because this is why atheists are eating church people alive. Okay, this is why they don't respect the church, because why? The atheists know the origins of these holidays. They know all this pagan stuff that are in the churches. And church people will tell you, no, this is of God. So you got one having an understanding who's an unbeliever. How is he going to respect someone that believes, you know, something that's not true? So this is one reason why it takes sound doctrine to deal with the gainsayers, the unbelievers, those who have supportive arguments against the Bible. This book will defend itself. If you know the word and you believe the word, you defend all things through scripture. Never give your opinion on it. Anybody, you going to say something? Yeah. yeah. It must have been pretty important that the husband of one wife to be a bishop, considering it was mentioned twice. First mm -hmm. Timothy three, and then here in Titus. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not something that should you know that anyone should take lightly. It's like if you want to be a pastor, well, it's it's telling you twice. You got two places you can read. This is what it's saying. These are the requirements. But again, you know, you got big mouth people like Joyce Meyer, Juanita Bynum, and all of them thinking that they're doing something. They're offering strange fire. You know, um, where am I? Ten. Verse ten. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, uh, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. I mean, this is it. What are the two biggest days you make the most money in church? Christmas. They have services. Yeah, Christmas. And Easter. Easter. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so these are the people, I mean, they're looking for money. I mean, you have to ask one of them. I want anybody to ask their pastor, what's the origins of Easter? And I want to hear what answer they give you. Or they may say, well, you know, that was a long time ago. No, I want you to tell me what it means. And then second, why are we celebrating this in here? You know, but he says, for filthy lucre's sake, this is the teachings. Now, it's not just those. Of course, you know, you got the feel-good messages, you have all the other types of teaching, but I'm just saying that this is one reason why people will do this and put people in a delusion. Mm -hmm. They'll believe that this is the truth. Verse 12, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own. So they're one of themselves. So it's not for God. It's of me, even a prophet of their own. So I hear from my God or whoever they believe they hear from that these things are correct. The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. What is slow bellies? You guys know? Slow bellies are the lazy. Okay, like the like the fat, big belly people. Like in other words, you you know, lethargic. You're um what's the word? Christina brought it up, slothful, you know, and all this in the work of the kingdom. He's saying the Cretans are like this. And who are the Cretans? What are they? Greeks? I believe they're like uh, somewhere around that realm, because Crete is right under um, it's not too far from Italy. It's right off the coast in the Mediterranean. Yeah. But I believe they're Greeks, you know, but Cretan. So I'm not talking about Greek people, but this is clearly speaking of a Gentile nation, a Gentile people who are not, you know, the ones that had God's statutes and commandments. All right. So they said they're evil beasts. 
Now, you see, you can't use bad words, but Paul here, or Titus, well, Paul's calling them liars and evil beasts. Uh, verse 12, I mean, verse 13, this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto, a pure, unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. So we're talking about a rotten apple. Not only are they defiled through the things that they say, but there's nothing in them pure because their hearts are corrupt. So why should they care about you if they only care about themselves? Um, so conscience defiled is like having a conscience seared. You don't even fear God. You can sit here and say, you know what? The Lord told me something yesterday and you guys need to give more money. You know, because I believe that's what he was trying to show me. You know, I noticed I saw a lot of green in my dream. And I asked the Lord, what is this? And the Lord said, well, that means that the harvest has come in and you need to tell everybody they need to give more money. You got pastors teaching this stuff. I'm not even trying to be funny. But this is a part of having no fear of God that you can lie on him openly and feel nothing about it. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, verse 16, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Okay, so there's nothing, I mean, their minds are like warped. A reprobate mind is a twisted mind. It's a mind that totally has the nature outside of God. Mm -hmm. And if you read Romans 1, the closest thing that comes to reprobation is homosexual. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, bash anybody, but what Sarah read and what I was going to read is that there's a nature going from holding truth and unrighteousness unto denying the works of God, then denying that he existed. So now that you have no God to repent of, well, I can be unclean. I can fornicate. I can do what I want. I can enjoy my life. Then the next stage is vile affections. Not only are we unclean and in sin, let's get into some real crazy stuff. Let's explore our sexuality. Okay, so what do you start doing? Going places you don't need to go. What happens next? The reprobate mind. Okay? He went from uncleanness unto vile affections unto a reprobate mind. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a mind or nature that is warped. Okay? Where God's way would be here and the devil's way is here, it'll do this. That's a reprobate mind to where, you know, and remember before he said reprobation, what did he say? They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Yeah. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind. That means they don't even want to hear anything about God. You know, not even receiving correction. It's, man, I don't, nah, it's not for me. And, you know, eventually if you stay that way, there you go. Now, I have led several homosexuals to Christ. I'm not saying they can't come. What I'm saying is you're on your way. Because homosexual, and, and I'm not trying to bash them. I'm speaking of the spirit. It is so opposite of what God made. God made men and women. Homosexuals believe in what? You know, men and men, women and women. So there's a reversal there. You know, God gave us, you know, sex to be had in the right place. Mm -hmm. All right. What do they do it? They put it in places that are unnatural. Mm -hmm. You can't produce life from it. There's nothing from that. And then it's not gender specific, these places. These places are just, 
You know, everybody's got one. So this is what I'm talking about being warped. It's a twisted. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the Baphomet, that's what a reprobate mind would be. And like twisted. Like said before, even in those relationships, even though that's men with men and women with women, one always has to play the man and one always has to play the woman. So even in those relationships, right. it can't just be two women mm -hmm. or, two, or two men. You got these two big burly women together, but still one has to be the man and one has to be the woman. It's disfused. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Totally, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I know like one, uh, I wish I could have led her to Christ before I left there. I don't know if she's still working or doing whatever, but... You know, she even didn't wear deodorant for the sake of trying to be a man, you know. And I'm like, man, why should it have to take that in order for you to be, you know, convinced? I mean, you'll never be a man. It doesn't matter what you do. You can be Caitlyn Jenner and switch all you want. You're still a man. You just look like some type of nut now, but you're still a man. And and if you think about it, women don't do all those things that no. they do, okay? You never hear. When women speak, if I were to talk to... Either Christine in here or Sarah, they would speak like women. Not, girl, oh, do you realize you need to do this and that? And, and then the walk and everything. I mean, it's almost like the demon has to go overtime in order to be received. Like, all right, I've got to act. How do you act like a woman? You're either a woman or you're not. Yeah. You're either a man or you're not. But doing all that extra stuff and, uh, no, nah, man, that's, no. I mean, there's no woman. You find a woman that acts that way and tell me. <laughs> Lord forgive me I'm just you know I, I I care for them I want them to come to the truth and whichever way that can be done I just hope the Lord does mm -hmm. Acts 17 and 1 alright one question you asked or you mentioned they go from uncleanness to something to reprobate what was that middle word she's answering me what was it? Vile affection. Vile affection. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it, there are stages that the devil takes us through. Yeah, it's just not an overnight process. It's, no. You know, and one of the biggest propagators of these relationships being acceptable is through TV and movies. I mean, they make it seem like two people of two different faiths can coexist and live happily mm -hmm. ever after and nothing ever go wrong in their relationship. And that could be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, if you're not spiritually connected, you will end up separating. And it's just, it's, it's going to happen, you know? This is why with Jehovah Witnesses, man, I've even seen it when I talk to many of them or Mormons or whomever, and you tell them the truth, there's this look like they might want to believe you, mm -hmm. but there's almost this pulling back kind of thing. Like, whoa, man, I'm going to get kicked out. You can't talk that way here. You can almost see their programming kick in as you're sitting there speaking to them. Like, hey, put up that fifth column. Make sure they don't get in. And then they go back and learn again. Um, one guy, I, I told him, I mean, this is how bad it is, but I gave him some information concerning Jesus being God. And I was like, well, here you go, because he gave me something. So why was it okay for him to give me something to study? I said, okay, I'll take it home and I'll read this. And I went to give him something, and he said, um, what is that? And I was like, well, you know, this is this is research I have, too. I want you to read it. He said, um, and I said, oh, I forgot. They won't let you read it, right? He said, no, no, I can read it, but I, I'm not going to take that, you know, or whatever. So 
He still believed that he was free to make his own choices, but his brainwashing was speaking the whole time. This is how strong delusions really do work with people, that he was programmed to believe, uh, uh, I, well, the watchtower gives it to me and I'll give it to you, but you can't teach me, mm -hmm. all right, because we already know. I mean, it's, it's I don't know, Acts 17-1. All right. All right, so now when they had passed through Amphipolis, Amphipolis and Apollon, Apollon, Apollonia, uh, they were to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, uh, went in unto them uh, the three Sabbath days, reasoned with them uh, out of the scriptures, opening and um, alleging that Christ must needs have suffered uh, and risen again uh, from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Uh, okay, uh, verse 4. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a Jew, but the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of a baser sort, like of a lower sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out, out to the people. So Paul and Silas and Timothy, or Paul and Silas here, they're bringing the truth, and you got this, um, some of the Jews who believe not, moved with envy, I guess, because they were doing the works of God here, that got the whole town in, the, in an uproar to come against the Christians. So this is the religious crowd, you know, while, while Paul is talking to the world, to the Greek mind, here's the religious mind trying to fight against the church and the word of God. Hey, it's coming to a theater near you, you watch. Mm -hmm. you can imagine, like, all these rulers, these crowds just keep getting worked up and they're like god what's why do these people get mm -hmm. so messed up about these christians mm -hmm. why do you guys have such a problem oh yeah and that <laughs> you're like, right you guys are crazy <laughs> exactly and what martin was saying too before how when he was in the church and he said you saw like um a couple of blind people and everybody was hugging and loving one another and martin said Man, look at these two guys here. Like, wouldn't you want to, like, lay hands on them and pray for them? But you see, Martin's mind was different than the people that were around. While everyone was thinking of them, you know, each other, Martin was looking at, man, this is a miracle that the work of the Lord can do. So this is what it means by your mind being transformed and you seeing things. Like, man, this is what should be going on. This is what should be done. Not that it's not good to love one another and all that, but, man, here's a need for the power of God to do a work. You know, so I agree with that. All right, verse 6. And when they found them, when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason have received, and these are all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. So you see where preaching the gospel will put you on a collision course with? They all worship Caesar, and you're sitting here talking about Jesus. This is going to put you on a collision course. You know, when they said they have no king but Caesar, they were worshiping the Roman Empire, where there was Jesus Christ here trying to deliver, to deliver the people. 
But verse 6 is the real reason I came here. If you notice at the end, it says, these have turned the world upside down. So this was their perspective. They felt when the disciples were coming through teaching the word of God, man, they're, they're turning this world upside down. This is what they think of you and me. But what are they really doing? Turning the world right side up. Yeah. Okay, the way it's supposed to be. It's kind of like if you were to walk into a, um, you know, a world and it was always that way as you have known it. That's normal to you. That's what they would consider natural. Okay, but if you if it wasn't the way you grew up, then you're going to automatically resist it until the truth breaks through to you. Mm -hmm. And this is why when you talk to people in false religions about this stuff, people are automatically offended. Because they feel like, man, I was raised in the truth. Now, if you're a Christian, there's no point in you and I arguing truth. All we've got to do is go to the scriptures and that will prove truth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is not opinion based. If Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith and you're a believer, then it's all written here. There's no disparity between you and I if we're following Christ. But if we've got our own agenda or we're supporting our own tradition, now there's a problem because it's my tradition versus yours. Attack every situation with the word of God. Never let it be in your own strength. Mm -hmm. Because then they can either decide to believe this or say this is a bad translation or whatever they want to say. But you, you relate everything to the word of God. Because then you'll find their problem is not with you. Their problem is with God. That's who they really don't like. They may say with their mouths they like you. Like Jesus said, many people will say that, you know, things in my name, but their hearts are far from me. They're not the same heart. Mm -hmm. Just because you're Jesus, 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 but then if the Bible says don't do something and you resist it, who are you against? Who's the word? Who's the word of God? Exactly. Yeah. So you're resisting him. You're not resisting, um, they're not resisting you. Exactly. And that's why it's good to always show them the scripture and not base it upon our own opinion. Because when we try and do stuff in our own opinion, then that's when arguing and strife and debates come about. But if you show them, hey, I'm not saying this. This is what the Word of God says. It says it right here. And like you said, they're not going against you. They're either going to believe what the truth said, or they're not going to believe what the truth said. And they're you show them the truth, and they resist it. And then the question would be like, you know what? The, the real problem we're having here is... You don't like God. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. You don't like his commandments. You don't like what he's saying to you. So this is what you're fighting and you're resisting. Um, well, he tells you that everything you've been doing, that you seek pleasure and that makes you happy and your traditions are all wrong. Mm -hmm. People don't like that because it feel good. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing is that if it clearly states that even things that we've done our whole life are wrong. Are we willing to change that to live for Christ? Or are we just going to stay the way that we were to please man? Exactly. Please our, I mean, because it's like we're either following Christ or we're not. There's no third option. <laughs> no. And I mean, you know, I like the way Derek Prince says it because he says it so smooth. And he says, you know, there's either Jesus or the devil. And I don't think that there will be another choice. You know, he's just right <laughs> to the point. But it's true. Um, Matthew 13 and 9. Yeah, we'll be out of here in a few. I just want to um, make a couple of key points. Huh? I said a few hours. I know you ain't talking. You took up the first 30 minutes of here. So be quiet. <laughs> well, we would have had this show on the road already. 
She was preaching. She was saying your scriptures though, right? Yeah, I know. But this is why I had to go on a rampage because she spoke for me. See? I had to invent something. I'm just joking. All right, Matthew 13, verse 9, it says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, Jesus just explained the parable of the sower. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to them it is not given. So we understand here, this isn't Jesus picking and choosing. This is Jesus knowing, because he is God, Who's going to accept the truth and who will reject it? Mm -hmm. Okay? So he said, it's given unto them who, who heard it. Verse 12. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing not, they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their, e with their eyes, and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. So this is clearly speaking of Jesus Christ saying that there will be some that would understand and some that wouldn't. Uh, Isaiah said, and um, that's Isaiah 6 and 9, he says, man, let these people that don't believe stop up their ears, you know, and their eyes, because they're not using them anyways. Okay, so this is what you know, this is a part of that strong delusion when people don't want to receive the truth. You try and tell them, the Lord is telling you and I, for those who want to hear the truth, he's talking to us. So this is why, you know, even though we heard it, even though in the beginning we were offended, you know, by something said, it still made you want to seek the truth. Now, I'm not the only person bringing truth, and I've made some mistakes too, all right? But the point is, is hearing the truth in God, you know, you guys were able to hear it and just, you know what? I haven't researched it, but I think that's true right there. You know, I'm going to check it out again and see what's what. But re it's the researching it yourself. That's supernatural when the whole world doesn't even want the truth. Yeah. All right, Second Peter chapter 2, and we're done. But, you know, delusions, we're only in them because we want to be. Very few of us will yield to the truth in God. Matter of fact, it's second. Let's go to Second Peter one and fifteen. Second Peter one and fifteen. But we don't even know why we accepted the truth in Christ. We really don't. We heard it. You know, it came at the right point of our lives. Jesus said, "No man can come into the Father unless I mean come to the Him unless the Father draws him." Yeah. So the Father. I mean, I believe He preaches the gospel to everyone, but there are few that will accept it. So we need to thank the Lord that we can even hear this because the majority of churches have no appetite for this whatsoever. It's true. Very yeah, true. Peter is at the back of the Bible uh, before Revelation and John. Um, so it's 2 Peter 1 and then we'll do 2 Peter 2. We're only going to read a couple of lines here though and go into 2 Peter 2. Uh, and that's why Paul said in Galatians 1, 
Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You know, that's a question he was asking the Galatians. I mean, how can I be your enemy and I'm telling you the truth? I'm the best friend you've got. We'll go on the church these days and say, you know what, we need to cast out demons. They'll cast you out quicker than you. Give you the left foot of fellowship. Yeah. I heard a good one. Uh, the, the panel of the spanker. Blake is like, it's easy to cast out a devil. Try casting out a Christian. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, Second Peter one and fifteen, and it says, "Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, uh, when we shall, when we made known unto you the power." and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, which is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So Peter is remembering when they went on the Mount of Transfiguration that they saw Jesus Christ in his true form. Peter got carried away and said, Why don't we make a shrine for Moses? And Elijah, because he saw Jesus there, and the Father came out of nowhere. It said a cloud covered them, and the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And the disciples dropped to the floor in fear, and Jesus said, You don't have to be afraid. But the Father was making the point, My Son is the central focus. Unless you believe on Him, you have absolutely nothing. Verse 18, And this voice which came from heaven we heard uh, when we were with Him in, in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto we do well that we take heed, I mean that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So you see what's coming? The, the, the day star, which is Jesus Christ, the morning star, arises in our hearts. Mm -hmm. But you see how that light has to shine through a dark place, which is full of the world, full of corruption, full of all the things that we had learned before, just to reach your heart. Verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, uh, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is what I talk to a lot of people about when they say the Bible was written by men. I say, you're absolutely right, but they were inspired of the Holy Ghost to do so. So, you know, private interpretations, usually people with agendas will do this. People with agendas, they always have this thing of going outside of the Bible to try and meet their own objective instead of understanding what the Bible says and going according to it. If we all followed the Bible, why would we have trouble? Mm -hmm. But if I want to be a woman pastor, then I've got to cut some things out of this, which makes my faith incomplete. Because what it tells me is this book is true, but if you go to chapters 6, 7, and 8, they're false. Why? Because of me. So I have an incomplete work before me that I claim is my God. You want to follow what Jesus Christ has said. So if you've got no objectives and you're preaching the gospel, you're not out for money, you're not out for gain, you're not out for to be a star or whatever it is, you have no problem teaching this and learning it. Because there's no agenda. Mm -hmm. All right, um, 2 Peter chapter 2. But there were, there were false uh, prophets also among the people, even as there were false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. 
This is why you want to teach the truth. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. This is it. You go into a church, teach the truth, and it'll be evil. You're in a cult. You know why? Because in a Baptist church, they never heard that doctrine. You know, in a Pentecostal or Methodist group. So this is about the truth. So it would be considered evil spoken of, even though it's read right here. And through covetousness shall they with, with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So they're making, you know, covetousness. They're making merchandise. They're making money off lies. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, uh, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And God knoweth how to deliver the ungodly, I mean the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. This is talking about those that are right of God. If you notice, they were always small groups, nothing huge. Okay, because Jesus said the gate is narrow, verse 10. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. They despise God's government. They despise God's correction, mm -hmm. you know, so um, of despise government. Presumptuous are they self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Why? Because it's all about them. They're in a strong delusion that needs to be broken, or they'll be reprobate. Verse 11, Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. So angels that are greater than you and I are smart enough to know you don't want to mess around with the Lord of glory. Okay, you want to do everything right. You know what it takes to get kicked out of heaven? One sin. One obeying, disobeying one time is all it takes to get kicked out of heaven. So this is how much fear and reverence and respect the angels have to God. And you and I are self-willed walking around, hey, you know, I do what I want. I'm my own God. Mm -hmm. Even Satan wouldn't use those words, believe me. The Bible says the devil fears and trembles. But if he can get the image of God, the temple of God to do that, why not? So you can join him in the lake of fire. Verse 12, but these are natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. No, that's the reprobation, the corruption. They're natural brute beasts. They're calling them those who defy the true God. 13, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness that they, uh, that they, that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are, spots they are, and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. These are people that like to riot, party, get drunk, do this and that. 
enjoy their lives, you know, and the Bible says they are blemishes and they are spots. Jesus said he's going to bring a kingdom and a church that is without spot and blemish. So this has to be done. You know, um, if anybody disagrees with what I'm saying as far as perfection, please look at Sunday's study. It was called uh, Holiness is Not Optional. So we actually broke it down where, you know, it's the only thing that we have to do. Um, uh, 14, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Okay, so they are, you know, they beguile people, unstable souls. It'll be like a pimp, like he does a prostitute. You know, it would be like taking advantage of those people that actually need help, need God, but you're going to introduce yourself just to have your will done through them. Natural brute beast, verse 15. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, uh, who loved the wages of, a of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's, with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. This is when the angel was standing in the way. If you guys ever read the story, Balaam's donkey, the angel was standing in the way and the donkey was trying to go around it and the guy was trying to get the donkey to go straight. But the donkey saw the angel. The man didn't see the angel. So he hit the donkey and the donkey spoke to him. You know, God spoke through a donkey to um, explain the truth to him. You guys should look up that story, Balaam's donkey. Verse 16 but was rebuked for his iniquity. Oh, I read that. Verse 17. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. So wells without water, that means Christ is not living in you. Because he said for those believers, out of their belly will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is the living water. Uh, verse 18. For when they uh, speak great swelling words of vanity, they are lured through the lust of the flesh, through much wantingness, like greed, of those, or, or desiring that which is unrighteous, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for whom, for of whom a man is uh, overcome of the same is he brought in bondage? So, you know, following people that are under the law and doing other things. A person that's supposed to be a man of God that promises you liberty in God and all they want to do is bind you, they make you twofold the child of hell. And this is going on in churches everywhere where you have someone that might be in church to learn about Christ. Not only are you giving them false doctrine, you're stepping between them and Jesus Christ. Instead of following him, you're following the pastor. And I'm not saying you can't follow direction, but what I'm saying is whenever your pastor is your everything and not Jesus Christ, there's a problem here, mm -hmm. okay? Because it's all about Christ. So that's why they get brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end of them is the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Now, Jesus explained that. You know, when you get free, unclean spirit is going out. If you let the unclean spirit back, he will bring seven other demons more wicked than himself. That's Luke 11. 
You know, and the latter state of a person will be worse than the first, which makes you harder to be freed. Verse 21, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But as but it is happened unto them, according to the true proverb, and Solomon said this, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed uh, to her wallowing in the mire. So they're talking about the dog. If you've escaped the things of the world and you believe God and you've trusted in the ways of God and then you decide to go back into your sin, it'll be like a dog returning to his own vomit, a pig that wants to go back in the mud. Now, I've been a backslider in my life, so I'm not looking down on anybody. I'm just telling people the way they need to go. But I remember the times in my life I did backslide. It felt just like a dog going back to his vomit. Mm -hmm. At the time, you enjoy what you're doing, but when that Holy Ghost comes back upon you, man, you feel like, man, like, why did I do this, man? Like, this is, I'm supposed to be living better than this now, man. Why am I doing this? It, it's, a, it's a serious feeling of guilt that you'll have. Also, the, you risk the chance of demons coming back into you, so now you've got a harder time getting free. That'll make your delusion that much stronger. Mm -hmm. All right, so that's pretty much the lesson. If anybody has any questions or anything they want to add, they can. But we don't want to be in delusion. We want to walk this thing out straight. We want to follow the Lord and all that he's calling us to do. Let's make no excuses for what the word of God says. If he tells us to do a thing, then he means for us to do it. He's not a God that would write something just to excuse you because you love him. If you love me, Jesus said, you keep my commandments. You know, we can't afford to be in a delusion with all the lies going on today. All right, so uh, I guess Sarah will pray out. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight. And I want to thank you for another day that you've given to us. I want to thank you for all the things that you've done for us, Lord. Everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us. For you've always taken care of every need and so much more, Lord. You've blessed us beyond measure. And tonight, Lord, I want to thank you for everything that you've done in my life. And I want to thank you for this ministry, Lord. And I'm praying tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus, for you, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you will come upon this ministry, Lord. That we will be the body of Christ. That we will be the true church, Lord, the ecclesia, the called out ones. To know, Lord, that we take the body of Christ wherever we go, whoever we talk to. Lord, help us to understand and see that salvation and sanctification and perfection, Lord, is an individually based affair with you. It's an individually based matter, Lord. And I'm praying tonight that we will seek a greater, more intimate relationship with you. To know your calling upon our life within the body of Christ, Lord, that we will fight our way into the kingdom of heaven. Lord, that we would continue to run that race that you have called us to run, Lord. To know that there is a crown laid up in heaven, but there's things that we need to do, Lord. We need to be that good tree that bringeth forth good fruit. There is no third option, Lord. We're either serving you or we're serving Satan. There is no stopping and relaxing, Lord. And I'm praying that no one tonight lord will go back into sin lord let us be want to be set free from the things that keep us in this life lord because there is going to come a time when persecution 
and trials and tribulations are going to come upon us all, Lord. And we have to be strong enough in your Holy Spirit, Lord. We have to have this settled within us, Lord, that we have to be set apart from this world system, Lord. Unplugged, sanctified, purified, Lord. So let us stay focused on you. Let us cling to you in all things, Lord. Let us have that spirit of discernment upon our lives. Let it burn within us, Lord. Let your Holy Ghost fire fall down upon this ministry that we will go out and preach and teach your gospel, Lord. Let us not stay quiet for any longer. I'm praying, Lord, help us tonight. Let us seek you. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Let us not faint, Lord. I'm praying that you help us because these things are going to come our way. Our faith will be tested, Lord, but not let us not see it through carnal minds, through carnal means, Lord. Let us see it through your eyes, through spiritual eyes, Lord, that if something is taken away, it might be because you're saying, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Help us to understand that, Lord. You're not going to leave us. You're not going to forsake us. You never have and you never will. Through our disobedience, Lord, you showed us great mercy and great grace, Lord. And I'm praying tonight in everything that we do, help us to know that we can find true joy and true peace in the midst of the present day evil that's going on around us, Lord. But the blinders have to be taken off of our eyes. You were crucified outside of the camp, so help us to see, Lord, everything that's going on around us. I pray, Lord, that we will profess you before men. Because as your word says, if we would profess you before men, you will profess us before the Father. But Lord, if we deny you before men, you will deny us before the Father because we have placed something greater in front of you because we don't believe. Help us to believe, Lord. We've been given the truth. We have been given your gospel, Lord. You are the word. You said that I am the word. So help us to understand, Lord, that you are the gospel. It's not just some fairy tale. It is the truth, and help us to believe every word that your word says, Lord. Help us to live a life of prayer and fasting that we will kill off the flesh, Lord, to live in the spirit because that is where you are, Lord, and that's where we need to be. We need to forsake the former things of this life. We need to cast off the old man and put on the new man in Christ Jesus and walk after the children of obedience, Lord, after the children of light, not the children of disobedience because it says, they will be of the wrath, your wrath, Lord. So help us, Lord. Let us not be based in our feelings and emotions. That when the enemy comes, he will have nothing in us. If the servant is not greater than his master, Lord. If you crucified, if you were beaten, if you were scourged to do the will of the Father, help us to know, Lord, that we will go through the same thing. But Lord, it is only to be closer to you. It is only to have our rightful place in heaven. But we cannot just sit around and do nothing. There has to be a testimony, Lord, that we went out and professed your name, that we were strong enough in everything. Help us, Lord. Come upon us tonight, I pray. Place your Holy Spirit in us. I thank you again, Lord, for all the things that you've done for us. Anyone struggling tonight in their walk, let them come to you. Anyone struggling with financial issues, Lord, let them come to you because you are the only one, Lord. That can heal our lives. Yes, Nothing Lord. else but you, Lord. Yes, Lord. You are the only one. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for you deserve all the praise, the glory, and the honor for everything that you have done for us. Satan, the enemy, would have us turn away. But no, Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to give you the praise. 
Lord, I pray that in all manner of thought and conversation, let us glorify the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Let us sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Let us not bring forth strange fire into your kingdom, no, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us give you the proper, the first fruits of everything that we do. Let us give you us, Lord, a vessel willing to go forward. Guide and direct and lead us this evening, Lord, into your truth. Let us take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy. Let us fight a good warfare. Let us not be entangled with this world, Lord. I pray that you build us up every day to bring lost souls to you. Help us to see and understand the spiritual warfare that's going on around us, Lord. Place your shield of protection around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.